This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 21 entitled Wisdom Christology in 1 Corinthians. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thanks again so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. In our last two episodes, we began to examine the origins of what scholars call wisdom Christology. This is the understanding about Christ that describes him in terms of God's wisdom. In episode 19, we observed within the book of Proverbs that God's wisdom, namely his wise interaction and instruction to his creation, was frequently personified as a female figure. However, Proverbs also taught that this lady wisdom can be embodied into actual human beings who adopt and live out her teachings as strong and excellent wives. In episode 20, we looked at two later writers, the author of Sirach and Philo Judaeus, as both demonstrating influence from Proverbs' theology of God's wisdom being personified as a female figure who interacts with and teaches God's creation. We furthermore noted the remarkable theologies of Sirach and Philo, who both, like the book of Proverbs, embodied this lady wisdom into human beings, with Sirach depicting Simon the high priest as lady wisdom's embodiment, and Philo speaking of Sarah, Abraham's wife, as wisdom's embodiment. Having laid out the data of God's wisdom being depicted in Jewish sources as able to be embodied in human beings, it is now appropriate to turn to the New Testament, where it will soon become very apparent that many of the New Testament authors understood that Jesus Christ was the epitomized embodiment of Lady Wisdom. In doing so, the New Testament demonstrates continuity with these Second Temple Jewish sources, both biblical and extra-biblical, and therefore requires modern interpreters of the New Testament to take seriously the context of Lady Wisdom and all of her personification. So today, we will look at the first New Testament document that chronologically depicts Jesus in terms of Lady Wisdom, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. This letter, written around the year 55, exhibits wisdom Christology in chapter 1, chapter 8, and in chapter 10. So let's begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 21, Paul writes, For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 22. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then skipping down to chapter 1 and verse 30, which is the important part of this passage, which states that, But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24, and 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. There in 1 Corinthians 1, 30, it is very clear and obvious that Paul states that Christ Jesus became to us, became to us believers, wisdom from God. So, from Paul's understanding, Jesus Christ is God's wisdom. This is a pretty clear connection here. But specifically, Paul understands 
Jesus as the wisdom from God in the fact that Jesus is righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And these three words, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, within Paul's theology involve the crucified and risen Jesus, specifically Jesus as the exalted and risen Lord Messiah. So Paul understands Jesus as the embodiment and full epitome of wisdom in the fact that Jesus died and rose and was exalted as the true Lord of the world. So it's important that in our first passage that we look at here, 1 Corinthians 1.30, we note that Paul clearly states that Jesus has become God's wisdom, specifically because Jesus died, rose, and was exalted as the true Lord of the world. So we can continue on. We're actually going to skip the reference in chapter 8 for now, and we're going to move on to chapter 10. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1, Paul says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul says that the rock that followed the Israelites through the wilderness was Christ. And there are some people that look at this passage and they say, well, come on. They say that Christ was following the Israelites in the wilderness, and this seems to indicate some sort of preexistence for some people. But what is this passage really saying? Let's help make sense of this, because I think it would be very strange if Paul believed that Jesus Christ was a pre-existing rock. That's not really some sort of pre-existence. But what's interesting here, and that a lot of readers don't understand, is namely the description of the rock that was giving the drink to the Israelites in the wilderness was understood in Second Temple Jewish text as, guess what, Lady Wisdom. And we're going to look at those three passages. First one here is in Sirach, chapter 15. We introduced the book of Sirach in our previous episode. The book of Sirach is included in the Septuagint, which is the earliest Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's one of the books that was included there, and it was clearly read by early Christians. It was written around the year 180 B.C. In Sirach, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. Whoever fears the Lord will do this, and whoever holds to the law will obtain wisdom. She will come and meet him like a mother, and like a young bride, she will welcome him. She will feed him with the bread of learning and give him the water of wisdom to drink. That's Sirach chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, read out of the New Revised Standard Version. Very clearly here, wisdom personified again as a female, as a mother, as a young bride, as someone who gives bread, but also is someone that gives water, gives the water to drink. And so it's interesting here that wisdom is the giver of water. And in the Israelite tradition, that water came from the rock in the wilderness. The next passage we're going to look at is from the book Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 11. Now this book is called the Wisdom of Solomon because it is wisdom that is defined by Solomon's wise counsel and teaching. Solomon became a very famous figure within Jewish history as a wise king. The Wisdom of Solomon was actually written in the first century, written around the year 40 AD, so clearly not written by Solomon. It's a book that depicts Solomon's wisdom as compiled. And in Wisdom of Solomon, guess what? Lady Wisdom is again 
present and personified as a female figure. So in Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this, Wisdom prospered their works by the hand of a holy prophet. This holy prophet, by the way, would be Moses. So we have the imagery here of the wilderness with Moses. Verse 2, They journeyed through an uninhabited wilderness and pitched their tents in untrodden places. They withstood their enemies and fought off their foes. Verse 4, When they were thirsty, they called upon you, and water was given them out of flinty rock, and from hard stone a remedy for their thirst. Thus Wisdom of Solomon chapter 11, verses 1-4, through 4, out of the New Revised Standard Version. And again there in verse 4, it says that when they were thirsty, they called upon you. And in the context, stemming all the way back to chapter 10, the reference to you has to be a reference to Lady Wisdom. They called upon Lady Wisdom, and water was given out of the flinty rock. So again, we have a Jewish understanding here that wisdom, which was God's personified interaction with his creation, is actually that rock that was giving the water. We saw that in Sirach chapter 15. We also see it here in Wisdom of Solomon chapter 11. And we also see it in the writings of Philo. Philo was the author we introduced last week, Philo Judaeus. And in his book, Allegorical Interpretation, book 2, he says this, in verse 86. To return to what I was saying, the soul falls in with a scorpion, which is scattering in the wilderness, and the drought of the passions seizes upon it until God sends forth the stream from his strong wisdom and quench with unfailing health the thirst of the soul that had turned from him. So there in Philo, just as we saw in Wisdom of Solomon and Sirach, we have wisdom being the one that actually gave the water to those in the wilderness. And it's specifically cited as the water from the rock in Wisdom of Solomon chapter 11 and verse 4. So what's interesting is that all three of these documents, Sirach written in the year 180 BC, Wisdom of Solomon written in the year 40 AD, and Philo written sometime in the early half of the first century, all depict the giver of water as Lady Wisdom. And so what Paul seems to do here is that Paul would certainly be influenced by this sort of theology. And he says that the rock that followed the Israelites in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 was Christ. But he doesn't actually mean that it was Christ pre-existing his human birth back there as a rock. No, he's speaking allegorically as the passage was saying. It talks about how all of the fathers, including the Gentile Corinthians, were under the cloud and passed to the sea and were baptized into Moses. That was certainly a allegorical way of saying that they were initiated into the Mosaic Covenant. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. So we have the analogies here that are prevalent in 1 Corinthians of the sacraments of the Lord's Supper, that's eating of the spiritual food and the spiritual drink, and the sacrament of Christian baptism with the analogy of being baptized into Moses. And if this wasn't clear already, down in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul makes it clear. He says, now these things happened as examples for us, using the Greek noun TP, which is where we get the word type. Okay, so Paul says that the things that he said about Jesus being a rock that followed the Israelites in the wilderness that gave them spiritual drink, this is a type. This is an example. So Paul here is clearly reminding us readers that he's using allegory. And if this wasn't clear still, again, in the same chapter, down in verse 11, he says again, Now these things happen to them as an example. 
using the adverb form of the previous Greek word tipi here in verse 11 is tipikos. Example, type. So as we've seen, previous depictions of Lady Wisdom were describing Lady Wisdom as the giver of water in the wilderness to the Israelites. Paul seems to say, actually, it's not Lady Wisdom per se, because now Lady Wisdom has been fully understood as the embodiment of Christ. And so he can speak allegorically as an example and as a type to say that Jesus was a type of that wisdom that was the rock giving the spiritual drink to the Israelites. And so this is not a passage, 1 Corinthians 10.4, regarding literal preexistence of Jesus. No, it's a passage depicting wisdom Christology. And since Lady Wisdom was not an actual conscious person alongside God up in heaven, but instead was a personification of God's wise interaction with the world, Paul can take that theology and say, as a Christian, as one inspired by God, that Christ is now the full epitome and embodiment of Lady Wisdom. That's an interesting point. So there's no preexistence here in 1 Corinthians 10.4. Although those who are unfamiliar with wisdom concepts, as we have previously studied, might actually tend to think so. They might actually think that Christ here is preexisting his birth. Although it would be strange because that would mean that you would have to say that Christ preexisted his birth as a rock. Not as a preexisting son, not as a conscious being, but as a rock. So I don't even think literally that makes sense. So 1 Corinthians 10.4 would be a very poor and weak argument for literal preexistence. The last passage in 1 Corinthians that we're going to look at involving wisdom Christology is 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. Now some people are not even familiar that this passage involves wisdom Christology. But this passage actually has a lot to say in regard to biblical Unitarian theology. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6 says this, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and we exist through him. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, which states that for us Christians there is one God, and that one God is defined as the Father. Side note and footnote, it's interesting that Paul could have said, if he believed in the doctrine of the Trinity, that they believe in one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this would be the perfect and most acceptable place to do that. But, as we all know, Paul didn't believe in the Trinity. The Trinity was invented and developed as pseudo-Christian theology hundreds of years later. So Paul here says that we believe in one God, the Father, out of whom are all things. So clearly, the Father is the source of everything. And then it goes on and it says that we exist for him. But then it says in the second stanza that we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and we exist through him. Actually in this verse in the Greek there are no verbs. And so the verb to be has to be supplied where the passage says there is or there was or we exist. All of those verbs actually have to be supplied. They're actually not in the original text. But you have to supply something, otherwise it's just a choppy verse. So this passage is saying there's one God the Father, out of whom are all things, and we for him. And there's one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and we through him. So God is the creator and the source of all things, but the one Lord Jesus Christ is the person through whom all of these things are, are upheld, 
exist. Uh, well, we're not exactly sure because there's no verb in this sentence. But what we can say is that all things are currently being mediated by the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. It's very important there that we note that Paul says in this verse that it is the one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things. Okay, And for Paul, when he uses Lord of Jesus in his letters, it always, always refers to the resurrected Jesus. So this statement about all things being through Jesus is a truth regarding Jesus as the resurrected and exalted Lord, not about some supposed pre-existent figure. Of course, Paul using Jesus, the human name, for the Messiah, indicates that this is not a reference to some sort of pre-existence prior to the Messiah's birth. On the contrary, for Paul, this is the exalted Lord, the human being Jesus Christ, who currently now is the mediator of all the things that have found their origin in the one God, the Father. What is important to note for our study is that the concept of all things being mediated through Jesus is the exact sort of language we have observed about Lady Wisdom. In particular, Proverbs chapter 8, Sirach chapter 24, and even 1 Corinthians 1.30, as we've looked at today. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus has become God's wisdom in light of his redeeming death, resurrection, and exaltation. I want to read a passage here out of an excellent book on Christology called Christology in the Making by James D.G. Dunn. This is the second edition. I'm reading off of page 182, where he says this in regard to this passage, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. His aim, as we have seen, is to assert that the same divine power is active both in creation and in salvation. He achieves this by describing Christ the Lord in wisdom language. His meaning, then, would be that the power of God in creation came so fully to expression in Christ's death and resurrection that it can't be said of Christ what was said of wisdom. He skips down in the same page and says this in conclusion, quote, In other words, Christ is being identified here not with a preexistent being, but with the creative power and action of God. And the thought is not of Christ as preexistent, but of the creative act and power of God now embodied in a final and complete way in Christ. End quote. Again, that's James Dunn's book, Christology in the Making, the second edition, on page 182, where he says all the things that we also have observed, namely that Paul is describing Jesus as the embodiment of Lady Wisdom, and this is because Jesus is the crucified, risen, and exalted Lord, who is the epitome of God's wisdom. So in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, the Apostle Paul described Jesus Christ as the fullest embodiment and epitome of Lady Wisdom. This can be observed in three places within 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, chapter 8, and chapter 10. And number two, we saw that in understanding that Jesus is the embodiment of Lady Wisdom, the Apostle Paul is in continuity with the previous Jewish authors who also depicted Lady Wisdom embodied into human beings without giving any impression that those human figures pre-existed their birth in any way. For Paul, he is simply stating that God's wisdom, his wise interaction with his creation, can now be located in the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you've enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to support the work that it is doing, be sure to check out this episode's description for PayPal link. Thanks again for joining us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith, and until next time, take care.